0: Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Hey, um, anybody ever experience like a natural disaster, right? We live in Florida. We know all about hurricanes, right? Hurricanes and tropical storms and a tornado or two maybe. Um, Anybody you've had like just... That happened, how many of you back, remember years ago, we had like, what, three hurricanes back to back to back, that one summer, crazy, yeah, yeah, Uh, we've experienced a lot of stuff over the years down here uh, in Florida, a lot of rain, we get get a lot of that, Uh, even on up in through uh, the winter, um, it feels like we're never going to get winter, Uh, it it was a nice change this morning, but it's already warmed up out there, but we'll take what we can get, right, but, but we don't know a whole lot here in Florida about earthquakes anybody ever you you've been somewhere and it there was an earthquake you might okay a few of you around there yeah yeah so so we don't I, I'm a Florida boy I, I know about hurricanes. I don't I've never experienced a earthquake I, I pray that I never do but um, but you know out in um, out West California those areas they you know they tend to experience those earthquakes a lot more and so what I do know is is <laughs> I've gone to like Universal or one of those places and and they have the simulator so that that's the extent of my earthquake experience but um, yeah, so I don't even know if they have that anymore. They may not. I don't know. Um, I can't afford going to those places anyway. So, um, so yeah, so when you have the earthquake, you have all that happens with the earthquake. But then there's what? There's the after, after effects. There's the aftershocks that may um, happen. Um, spiritually speaking, um, I pray for such a shaking uh, of revival, of, uh, shaking a shaking, a literal spiritual Holy Spirit-powered earthquake in our day and time in our life that would have aftershocks for years. And anybody longing for that? I think, it's, I think we're due. I think it's about time we quit playing around and we enter into that, that what God has for us, right? Um, years ago, uh, just over 100 years ago, there was uh, this amazing spiritual event that happened in California, believe it or not. Um, it, and it would happen at, at Azusa Street, and many of us know about that. If you've been in the Pentecostal world uh, for a long time, you know this great revival that broke out uh, on Azusa Street. I think we have a picture. This was the, uh, the old church there in, in Azusa Street. The Azusa Street revival was celebrated for for two years, really. It, you think about it, we have like these three-day revivals, and everybody gets their little fill, and, and we think, oh, my goodness, we had an outpouring. But they had two years' worth of revival. Everybody came from all around. Anybody who was involved in this Pentecostal or anybody that was just like, hey, what is this? They, came, they would fill this room, standing room only, people lining up to get in the room to experience God. God was moving in, in incredible. There were men, there were women, there were black folks, there were white folks, and it didn't matter. They were, all came together in one mind, one body, one accord, seeking the outpouring of God. I pray for a day like that again. I, I, we we need that once again. It's going to happen. I pray that we're a part of that. Uh, but but what a, a monumental moment that we are still experiencing the aftershocks of today. We're still experiencing those because this birth a movement in this in Pentecostalism. Uh, and, and, and what because we are a Pentecostal church, if you didn't know that. And, and so this birth, this this movement uh, that would carry on for years to come, what, what just a few uh, people in that church would experience would now echo years, over 100 years later, to where over 600 million people now have been affected by the power of God that started right here. What, what would that look like for us today in this generation, in this context? What would that look like? Many of you have prayed for it. Many of us are seeking, and I wonder what that would look like for us if if we had another movement. What what if that happened right here in our church today, right here, right now? What would would that look like? What would the after effects, what would the aftershocks look like following this? I believe we can see it. I believe if we'll simply seek God, we'll turn from, from what we have think we have known, we'll turn from our opinions of what we think church would be and just simply follow the power of the Holy Spirit. Simply follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do. If you're with that, say amen this morning. Let's see it. Let's do it. And, and, and so today what I want to do, we're closing out our series called "Ghost on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit leads us. We've talked about how He's in us and, and with us. Uh, last week we talked about how he fills us, and, and today we're going to close out talking about how the Holy Spirit uh, leads us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't a one-time event. It, it didn't just pour out in that, that little church years ago, and, and then that was good for them. No, not, it didn't just happen on the day of Pentecost with the, with the early church, and then and that and it was just for them. It is for us today as well. God wants to pour out in that same manner for us today. And it should give us not just aftershocks in our culture, but it should give us in our own personal walk with God, it should give us an, a daily aftershock in our life. So what I want to do is I want to look like, what, what is that ripple effect? If God were to, were to pour out on your life right here in this place today and fill you and empower you, what would the, the ripple effect be throughout your week this week? That's what I want to look at today: is how, how would the Holy Spirit then lead you from that point? Let's go there together. First, uh, turn to the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 2. We've read through this a little bit throughout this series, but I just want to revisit it again for you. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd uh, came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and these, these words are killing me, um, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some made fun of them. They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, right? It's Too early for that. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Jesus, may we encounter what Peter was telling these people today. So many have questions about your Holy Spirit. So many don't understand it. It looks strange to the outside world, but may it not be strange to us. May it be our norm, Father. Let it be what we continually seek after. May it be something that we don't become content or complacent with, but we become hungry for over and over again. May we learn to be filled by the power of your Holy Spirit. So the this that Joel talked about so many years ago would be the this is that that we still talk about today. Show us, Lord. Lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Peter comes out and says, this is that that the prophet Joel talked about. That your, your young men... Your old man, they'll have dreams, they'll have visions, And God will speak, God will prophesy, God will pour out his His power in such a crowd. I, I don't know if you are interested in that, but I am. I'm longing for that. I hope you are too. I hope we're seeking it. I hope we don't just come in on, on church on, on a Sunday morning and just think, hey, man, we're going to sing a few songs. I hope they sing the song I like, Joe. Um, you know, hey, hey, hey we're going to sing a few songs and we're going to come in and and uh, I hope the pastor tells a couple jokes, you know, and and it makes me feel good and, 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 and then we can go home and, and, and get to, to KFC as quick as we can and, and Popeye's is open, Chick-fil-A isn't so we can get their chicken sandwich and, and, and you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to come into church and, and just go through the motions. I, want, I come in expecting God to move and God to speak and, and for us to experience Him in an incredible way. He wants to do that in your life if you'll let Him. So here are what some of the aftershocks. See, what, what happened right here in the early church, this is the birthing of the early church. The, the, the Holy Spirit poured out in that upper room. Those disciples encounter God like never before. And now the people are like, what is this? What, what is this that's going on? And Peter steps up and he says, listen, this is what it is. And 3,000 people are saved that day. This is the, the birthing of, of the church as we know it today. It's the aftershocks. They were filled. They didn't just get drunk on the Holy Ghost, and that was great for them, though they got filled and they went out and did ministry. It, it, it rippled beyond that upper room that they were in. And I pray it's the same for us today, that, that whatever we experience when we encounter God, whether it's right here in the church or whether it's in your own bedroom in your quiet times or wherever it is, that it would, it would, it would cause such an eruption in your life that it would spill out onto the streets around you. That's what it's meant for. That's what it's supposed to do. If you read the, 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 the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, when you receive power, you, you will be, uh, receive power to be my witnesses. It wasn't meant for us just to fill up on and feel good about. But it was so much more than that. So what are those aftershocks going to look like if that happens in your life? Number one, the Holy Spirit helps Jesus to be seen in us and through us. It is to witness to the goodness of God. It is to be a witness to Jesus and who he is. It is to be a witness to the truth of God's word. It's always been the mission of the Holy Spirit to exalt Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come that we might be deeply impressed with Jesus, that we might get excited about him. When was the last time we got really excited about Jesus and what he was doing in our life? For many of us, it was when you first got saved, and it was all fresh and new, but somewhere along the way, it got lost and all that. Let's get excited about Jesus once again, amen? So it will deeply impress you with Jesus and, and cause you to be excited about him, and not just excited because, hey, Jesus saved me. I'm not, I'm not this deep, terrible sinner anymore, you know? but, but hey, no, he's got a work for me to do. It's to get excited about God and his work here on earth. The Holy Spirit was sent by God to make Jesus real to people and to show us who he really is. Therefore, this spirit working through us should do the same thing to other people through you. It should draw people's attention to Jesus. It did that on this day of Pentecost when, when they were, were, were encountering God and this Holy Spirit in, in that upper room. It spilled out into the streets to where it, it got their attention. It should be doing the same thing through you today. Isn't it amazing, though, how often people claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yet their words and their actions and the things they may post on social media doesn't exactly line up with what the fruit of the Spirit are. Those things don't draw attention to Christ. They actually turn people away from it. And it has been for a very long time. So how do we draw people's attention to Christ? Here's the deal. The, the Bible talks about, about these this fruit that comes forth. When when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit there there's fruit that is produced. In other words you are you are matured and you are, are beginning to become more like Christ through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's going to testify to Jesus. is going to show Jesus in and see, otherwise, apart from Christ and apart from the Holy Spirit's working in you, you're going to, you're going to default to your flesh and yourself and what you want to do and what you so when you get angry at someone, you are going to act in that flesh and get angry and things are going to fly out your mouth and are not very pleasing to God. But if you will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and what he is doing in your life and what he's speaking in you, when you get into a moment where you're upset or you're angry, you see something, you're not going to speak out of that flesh, but you will speak out of the spirit. Right? And and, and there's a number of different situations that we could uh, insert right there into that. But that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's it's the nature of Jesus will come out of you through the Holy Spirit. So this is what's going to happen. So number one, um, you draw people's attention to Christ. Um, by showing courtesy, Titus 3.2 says, believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. First Peter 2.17, respect everyone and love the family of believers. Show mercy, Colossians 3.13, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Express sympathy, Colossians 3.12, as holy people whom God has chosen and loved, be sympathetic, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. These these are the fruits that the Holy Spirit is going to produce in your life because these things are the very nature of Jesus. and It's going to come out of you. Speak honestly, Proverbs 24, 26. An honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. It's not very manly, but it's the Bible. Proverbs 28, 23. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. The Holy Spirit is going to produce these. This Holy Spirit is going to allow you and help you and lead you to maturity and lead you to start looking like and sounding more like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Jesus will be seen in your life because the Holy Spirit, again, is going to show the nature and character of him through you. So let's get fruity, y'all. Let's get. And now there's some Christians that are fruity, but they're fruity the wrong kind of way, Caesar. And you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Not because it's you that's fruity. I'm just, yeah, sorry. But let's start getting fruity. Let's start showing some fruit. Let's start showing Jesus the right way by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps Jesus to be seen in us and through us. Now, Now, something else the Holy Spirit is going to do is going to convict us. The Holy Spirit is going to convict us. John 16, 8, when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sins and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit will convict you, and if you aren't feeling that check in your spirit... When temptation comes or when, when something, uh, uh, you know, kind of comes your way and you're not getting that check in your spirit, that little that nudge from the Holy Spirit say, hey, uh, this is not something, you know, you want to entertain. This is not something you should look at. This is not something that you need to be involved in. Right? If you're not getting that check, there's, there's something wrong. Either the Holy Spirit's not there or you're just ignoring it. I don't know. But you should be getting that check. If you feel like you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be getting that check, that prompt from the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit convicts us in different ways. Number one, it convicts us of sin of unbelief. The Holy Spirit gives us an awakened sense of sin, particularly the sin of unbelief in Jesus. It's going to convict us of the righteousness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminds us that it is Christ alone who forgives our sins and provides righteousness for us. He is the way the truth, and the life. There is no other way. The Holy Spirit reminds us that it is Christ alone who forgives. Satan is defeated. The Holy Spirit will convict us in that, that Satan is defeated. The judgment or defeat has already been, permit. come on somebody, the, the judgment and, and it already has been announced, he is defeated. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of that so that you can now walk in victory. Because the enemy wants you to be stuck and think, hey, I've been defeated. So guess what, pal? You're defeated too. But that's not what the Word of God says. That's not what Jesus says. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of that in your life so that you can walk in the victory. Therefore, the Holy Spirit working through us, it should help us to respond to sin. It should help us to respond to sin quickly, to live a victorious life And to be people of conviction. Nobody likes to talk about conviction. But it needs to be talked about. We need to be convicted. Conviction is a tap on your heart. By the Holy Spirit. Getting your attention. Hey, this is not the way. Avoid this. This is the way. This is God's best. And if you're having a hard time trying to decipher which is which. Go to God's word. Because that's your test. That's your standard. You want to know how to, how to discern the spirits? You want to know how to discern whether this is right or th- th- this is your this is your test, your standard, God's word. So we have to learn to walk by the spirit, not live by our flesh. Because again, apart from this, that's what we're going to do. So we'll give in to anger in the wrong way. We'll, we'll give in to lust. We'll, we'll give in to our own desires. We'll give in to these things. But the spirit wants to work in you. Conviction means to convince someone of truth, to reprove, to accuse, refute, or cross-examine a witness. To be convicted is to feel the loathsome loathsome, I can't even say that. Loathsomeness of sin. Check out Isaiah. Isaiah had this, this time with the Lord and, and this vision from God in Isaiah 6:5. He says, Then I said, It's all over, I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's army. He realized he was in the presence of God, Almighty God, a holy God, a pure God. And he realized, he he came to this realization that in view of God's holiness, he he was instantly uh, realized his sinfulness. To be convicted is to experience a dreadfulness of sin. In Genesis 39.9, if you remember Joseph, Joseph had had been promoted through everything that he had been through. He had been promoted in in Potiphar's house, and he was was a a high official in Potiphar's house. And there was a moment where Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. They were alone, and and, and his wife tried to seduce him. And and here's what Joseph says in Genesis 39:9 No one here has more authority than I do. He, Potiphar, has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How can I do such a wicked thing? it would be a great sin against God. There was a conviction there about sin and, and about what is right and, and what is wrong. Now, there's a lot of guys that would have said, hey, why not? You yeah. But he said, no, how could I do such a thing? Potiphar trusts me. He has is, he is, he is elevated me. He has given me a position. And not only that, not only that, but, but, but it would be terrible in the eyes of God. See, that's the conviction that we really need is to say, hey, this this looks like fun. Hey, this looks like I might be able to enjoy it for a moment, but I don't want to displease or dishonor God. That's where we need conviction. That's why we need it in our life. Many think the fear of God is to be afraid of him. But it is a matter of not wanting to dishonor him with our life, with our words, with with the things that we do and say. To be convicted is to understand how our sin dishonors God. Psalm 51, 4. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is judged. just. Conviction is a good thing. It, we, we need it. The minute we stop giving in to that conviction, or at least uh, sensing that, we're, we're in trouble. We need to make things right and, and make it right. Uh, it's God's way of inviting you to restore fellowship with him. It's a good thing. It's not a gotcha. It's not a, hey, I knew you were going to screw up. That doesn't do that. It's not a gotcha. It, it's more of a, hey, son, hey, daughter, this is not the way. This is not how I've designed it and set it up for you. This is not what's best for you. I've got something better for you. I need you walking here, I need you going here. This is what I need you to be saying. This is what I need you to be doing with your life because it's not how I have created you. It's not what I have for you. It's not my best for you. So here's the deal. You know what? Sex before marriage doesn't work. It's not the way that I've designed it for you. Here's the thing. Um, if you're going to lie and cheat to get ahead in this life, that's not my way. That's not my best for you. I will provide for you. I will take care of you, but don't step outside of that. Hey, guess what? Listen, you should treat your family well. You should show up every day, moms and dads. You should, show, even though it's going to be tiring, even though it's going to be not always the best because of the way you're feeling and the things that you may go through. But you still got to show up. That's God's will for you as a parent. That's what He wants you to do. You know what, husbands and, and wife, you should treat your spouse well and not poorly because God has put you over uh, that relationship and, and, and over your house and, and he wants you to treat that well and, and follow his ways because that's what is best for you. We need that conviction. No one likes talking about it. I know, it's not comfortable. It's you know We feel like we get our toes stepped on. We don't like the chiseling that God does in our life that hurts, right? It's not meant to make you comfortable. It's meant to make you whole. It's meant to make you in the person that God knows you can be and wants you to be. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The next aftershock, if you were to experience the power of God, the next thing that should uh, come is that the Holy Spirit will guide you. John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Listen, we are pretty helpless and clueless when it comes to mapping out our life and getting accurate guidance and direction. Like we need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us again because we want to be the people that God is calling us to be. This Spirit will be especially present for you. In every crossroad in your life, when you're making vital decisions, if you allow it to be. Again, if you if you follow the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit. His guidance regarding our future is best because he already knows our future. I mean, we, we forget sometimes that God is eternal. He is, he was, and, and is to come. We we forget that that he, he was before all things, transcendent. He's above time, space, and, and matter. He's outside all those things. That's what makes him God. That's what makes it the ability for nothing to come out of, out of you know what I'm saying? That, that, that's how it works. Like He's transcendent. He's above all things. So, so not only um, has he always existed, but he always will. He's eternal. He, he, he knows your, your future. So we can trust him in matters regarding our future. Therefore, we should give the Holy Spirit a greater capacity to lead us and to influence our decisions in our life. How often do we do this? How often do we make decisions? Because it's what we want to do. Right? And we make the decision... And then we go to God and say, God, please bless this. Right, how many times have we do? I really want this car. Like, you know, I love this car. I don't know if we can really afford it, but I really want this. And, and so, man, I, I, I just can't, I can't shake it. So let's just let's go do it. And then we get upside down low and, and, and on the loan. And, and then we, God, can, can you bless my finances? I know, I know, I should have prayed first, but, but I really, how many times do we do that? There's so many things. Prayer should be first. Seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit should be first and foremost in our life. God uses three primary means to guide us. He uses his word. That's a primary guidance from God for us is his word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Kind of hard for that to work if your lamp is not turned on. Kind of hard for that to work if you're not opening it up and and shining it on your path, right? Great instruction in God's Word to just follow Him as He guides us. But the problem is we want all the details first, right? Right? We, we wanna, if, if we could just seek God and seek His will, God, whatever you want to do, He'll lead you along the way. But many of us want to jump ahead. Well, I just want to know. I want to be prepared. I want to I know. And there's some of you have that type of personality. You want to know ahead of the hey, I just want to know what's coming. But if here's the deal. If we knew what was really coming, it would scare the poop out of us. And not only that, but we would seek that thing instead of seeking God and trusting Him. There's a reason that God has it set up the way He does. Lead and guide you so that you will trust in him, in him alone. And his word is our primary guidance for that. Secondary guidance would be the spirit, the Holy Spirit. John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Follow that check in your spirit. Follow that voice. Follow that prompting of the Holy Spirit, whatever that, that looks like. If, if, you're, if you're in a room or you're in somewhere and something feels off, follow that check. Um haley and I we went to eat at the uh spaghetti warehouse in Ybor years ago and uh and we're like hey let's just go let's just go walk around you know we don't get out that way a whole lot um and, and so we're just walking around and there's certain areas in Ybor, you just it, you you feel it right you feel it that something is is off and uh and we begin to feel that and we're like, all right, we're good let's let's go home. <laughs> let's go get the kids let's go. You got to recognize that, not just in a moment like this, but but there may be times of temptation. There may be times uh, where, where you, you, you're in a situation. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe you didn't even expect to get into a conversation, and then, and then things are starting to come up in that conversation. It's like, all right, I, you know, you begin to notice that check when the Holy Spirit um, is prompting you in those moments when you're making a decision. Follow that voice. Follow that check in your spirit, and then the. Other guidance would be confirming guidance, life's circumstances in your life. Psalm 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. he delights in every detail of their lives. The guiding of the Holy Spirit is so important in our life. We have to follow that. Some people uh, say, let your conscience be your guide. You know, these real uh, mystical and spiritual people, let your conscience be your guide. (laughs) Well, that's faulty advice. That's why I tell you, because our conscience is not always trustworthy, right? Some people confuse their conscience with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Our time, They're, they're not the same thing. They're not this. The witness of our developing conscience alone is not always sufficient for the guidance that we need. We need to hear the whisper. Of the Holy Spirit, we need to hear the, the voice of God. It may not be an, always an audible thing that we hear this great thunderous voice or Morgan Freeman voice or however you picture the voice of God. Um, it's not. Going, sometimes it's going to be an idea. It's going to be a thought. Might be a, a particular word that you see in your mind. It might be a picture. Uh, you know, God speaks in all kinds of different ways. It may not always be what you think it is. When we hear speak, we always think an, an audible thing. But 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 we need to learn to to re- recognize those whispers and follow them and after all the holy spirit lives in us to bear witness with our spirit that's what romans 8:16 says but how do we do that how can one distinguish their own thoughts and feelings and impressions from those of those whispers from the holy spirit here's the deal again the word of god that's your standard that's your check right the holy spirit's whisper will always agree with scripture it will always agree with scripture any inner impression that conflicts With the Bible, it needs to be rejected. Any other voice that is contrary to what the Word of God says, that needs to be rejected. That's not God. The Holy Spirit's whisper becomes clear when our will is surrendered to God's will. When we're not walking in ourself, we're not walking in our flesh, and we begin to follow the leading of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Prayer sorts out all those things. Prayer will sort out all those other voices. Prayer will sort out the the voices that maybe you have in your head. Like we all have those. uh, Let's just be honest. right? It'll it'll sort out all those other things. Prayer will sort that out. So the Holy Spirit is a witness to Jesus. It convicts us. It guides us. The Holy Spirit manages our moods. It manages our moods. Romans 8, 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death—not physical death, but spiritual death, separation from God. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. See, moods are contagious, both good and bad. Right? You, you've seen that every everyone seems to be grumpy on Monday because it's Monday, and like oh, you know, we're dragging out of bed and they get to work on Monday and. Well, except that one really annoying person that's just always jolly and happy all the time. It's like, hey guys, how'd you, did you have a great weekend? i like, shut up, I haven't had out of my coffee yet. All right? But you're going you're gonna to have those grumpy people and, and, and that, that, that negativity, sometimes, it's contagious. You, you've seen it, you've been around it. You're going to go, uh, we're about to jump into the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you're going to go to family gatherings and then there's going to be negative people at those gatherings and, and you're going to try to avoid them because you don't want that negativity in your life. Right, because it's contagious. Our moods can be contagious. There's times that I wish people were more like y'all. Remember Mr. Spock? Any Trekkies in the room? From Star Trek, we Mr. Spock. He was everything was purely logical, right? And, and and he always would respond with that logical perspective, right? Never emotional. You didn't see the emotion out of Spock. It was all logical. But the fact is, man, God didn't create us in the image of Mr. Spock, did he? He created it in the image of him with emotions, the ability to feel and to love and have joy, happiness, guilt, anger, disappointments, all these things. We are emotional people. And the real issue, and this is what really gets us into trouble oftentimes, is how do you handle your emotions? How do we handle that in our lives? You can either learn to manage those emotions or you can let those emotions manage you. And again, I know that sounds like super simplistic, but the way to manage your emotions is to grow in your relationship with God. Romans 12, 1 through 2. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all of us, for all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So consider four truths on how to manage your emotion through the Holy Spirit. Give your emotions to control of the Holy Spirit every day. Romans 6.13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Don't let anger get out of control. There's nothing wrong with getting upset and angry. We're going to do that. It's a human emotion, but it's what you do in your anger. James 1.20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We have to surrender that to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let other people help you manage your emotions. Probably more good friends, trusted people in your life. Hebrews three. 12-14, be careful then dear brothers and sisters make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin, hardened against God, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believe we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So we need to bring others in. That's why community and, and, and coming to church and, and we're better together, that, that's why those things are so important. That's why we say that all the time, because we need each other to help. Our emotions are, are wired into our fallen nature, right? But it's also wired into our redeemed nature, So sin and and Satan, they they can have access to those and and will even use those to manipulate us at times. But remember, Romans 8, 6 says to be controlled by human nature results into death, but controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. So we need to submit and surrender our emotion and our will to God and the Holy Spirit. Um, The next thing in this aftershocks that we're talking about is that the Holy Spirit gives us an, an unwavering commitment to God's Word. The early Pentecostals of Azusa Street that we talked about at the beginning, um, they didn't exi- uh, desire experience just for experience sake. In other words, they didn't want to just uh, feel all the goosebumps and feel all good inside it. They, they They didn't just desire it just to, to have um, that experience. And like any other revival, there, there were a few minor misplaced uh, emphasis, right? But overall, their quests for a personal encounter with the Lord were within the boundaries of God's word. Again, this is the test. This is the standard. The leaders of the Azusa Street Mission believe that the spirit does not go where the word does not permit. We should still hold that true today. As people of the spirit, we must keep God's word as the ultimate measuring rod for all that we do. 1 Corinthians 2.14, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit driving us to God's Word and opening our... See, see, if you'll read the Bible with the power of the Holy Spirit, if you'll read the Bible and and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you as you read it, He will illuminate the things that God wants you to see in here. And it'll be the right things, and it'll be the right interpretation... For you in your life, the Holy Spirit will illuminate God's word in you. One mark of spirit baptism should be a hunger to read and to know the word of God. Oftentimes we focus on the gifts. We focus on the speaking in tongues. We focus on, on what happens in, in, in our bodies and, and what may happen there. But, but, but one thing should be a desire to hunger and, and, and read and know the word of God. According to George Bonner, the Christian church is having such limited discernible impact on American culture. It's shifted somewhere along the way to where it used to be the church had an impact on culture, but now we're looking to culture. Somewhere along the way there's been this, this shift. I was just talking to someone this week. Um, if you, if, you know, I study a lot of church growth because I want our church to grow. And, and and one thing is, you know, a lot of people talk about millennials, this millennials that and And for so long, we were really trying to reach that group so much so that that the church just became so seeker friendly. But that group, believe it or not, they want something authentic. They want a genuine move of the power of God. They are hungry for it. They desire it. They want that. And so for so long, the church kind of turned away from that because we were trying to just get people in the pews and in the building. And, they, and we're missing the most important thing, the power of God. We need to turn back to that. That's why you'll see we'll linger in worship. We're okay with that. We'll worship a little. Some of you, never mind. Christian church is having such a limited impact on culture. It seems that Christians are far more affected by society than society is affected by them. Why? Why? Perhaps more than nine out of every ten born-again Christians fail to think like Jesus. They think like the rest of the world. So naturally, they behave like citizens of the world too. They're not the salt and light that Jesus commands to be. Because they lack that commitment and depth to faith. That makes them truly change God-driven beings. A biblical worldview is learning to interpret the realities of life through the filter of Scripture. Through the filter of the Holy Spirit. And the result is that we'll start to think and act like Jesus and be Jesus. And that's what we should be trying to do. A spirit-empowered church will be a word-based, word-taught, word-governing, and word-influenced church. You want to get a desire for the word, start desiring more of the power of God in your life. You, 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 want, to, you want to start getting a hold of God through his word. Why don't you start getting a hold of God and the power of God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 16 through 21, Peter said, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. The Holy Spirit turned them back, turned their focus back to the word of God and what had been spoken before. He'll do the same thing in your life. The Holy Spirit will give you a desire for God's word. The last thing is this. The Holy Spirit will make us missional. The Holy Spirit will make us missional. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, as understood at Azusa Street, was not just for personal blessing, but it became uh, the central purpose for empowerment, to, to empower them to be a witness for Jesus, right? And so what became out of the whole Pentecostal movement and why we believe in missions so much is this very thing that the Holy Spirit empowered them. And many missionaries and many pastors came out of that little revival that happened in that church because they got such a sense of the mission of God in their life. And the Holy Spirit will produce that in you as well. You'll be empowered and all of a sudden it's like, man, what can we do? How can we reach people? I want people to experience this same thing that's happening in my life. It'll give you a sense of mission. The baptism of the Holy Spirit should help you be a witness for Christ. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. It's possible that we have redefined the Pentecostal experience into an experience instead of a mission or lifestyle. Long before words like intentionality or missional or global were popular, the Holy Spirit was given to church to do those things. Holy Spirit will cause you to, to be on board with what God wants to do in your life. Holy Spirit intentionally dwells within us to empower us to be missional so that we can reach people, whether it's across the globe or whether it's right in your backyard. It will cause you to be. Missional. Worship team, you guys can come up. will not you stand up with me this morning? I know this seems to be very informational because I want you to understand it. But what you do with that information is going to be up to you. You can choose for it to be just head knowledge or you can transfer that to your heart and activate it in your life. You can choose to accept the, the, the knowledge and the info or you can begin to walk in those things in your life. Because that's what God truly wants for us to do. It's not just know about it, but have it in our life and use it in our life. The Holy Spirit, it lives in us. It ministers to us and it works through us. It's a wonderful experience to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I hope you desire it if you have not been filled in the Holy Spirit. If you have been filled in the Holy Spirit, when's the last time you were filled up? Because it's not just a one-time event. Keep going after it, keep seeking it, keep being filled with God's power and His presence. The baptism, it'll open us up to a whole new realm of operating in life of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and ministering in the Spirit. We've talked about what that is and what that looks like. The initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, but that's just the initial evidence The baptism should be furthered by a love for God's Word, a conviction of sin, awareness of His guidance, living emotionally healthy lives, pointing us to Jesus and pointing others to Jesus. It's not just about the tongues. Those are great. You should seek those too. But it's so much more than that. It's not just about experiencing God's power and being slain in the Spirit. There's so much more to it than that. It's not always just about all those gifts that we read about and talk about and the things that we tend to associate with the Holy it's so much more than that and God wants you to experience that the this is that that Joel spoke about he wants you to experience today in your life, the thing that Peter preached to those people on the day of Pentecost he wants you to experience that as well Let's get a hunger for it. Let's get a desire for it. Let's seek after it. Listen, many people talk about how the Word of God is not like a buffet. I love buffets. I will go to Fred's in a heartbeat. I love to go to Fred's. But but the Bible has been talked about how it's not like a buffet and that you can pick and choose what you want. I would say it like this. I would say that the, the spirit empowerment in your life is like a buffet. Because here's the deal. All that God has for you is laid out for you right here in his word. And he's saying simply this. Come and partake. You are invited by God to come and partake in everything that he has for you. It's all laid out. Just like a book, it's all laid out for you. But here's the deal. He's not gonna force feed you with it. He's not gonna serve you up a plate and bring it to your table. He's inviting you to come and to partake in the power of the Holy Spirit. So are you going to get up and get to the buffet or not? I said, are you going to get up and get to the buffet or not? Do you want to come and dine at the table that Jesus has set for you? Or you just want to sit back and look at all the good stuff? you want to sit back and just hear about all the cool stories? Or do you want to be right in the middle of everything that God wants to do in your life? Because it's for you. It's for you. Come on, let's lift up Jesus this morning praying that the Holy Spirit would awaken you today. That this series was not just about info so that you can understand with your head, but so that you can start understanding it with your heart and start living it out. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.